CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into another edition of the podcast. It's your money and your life. So Don Cash and I are here once again to talk about the conversations that we have often on here, investing, finance, retirement, and the cycle of investor anxiety is the topic we've been doing. And this is the solution, some things to consider and think about in this conversation. And of course, we're dropping this or taping this right after Memorial Day. So hopefully everybody had a fantastic Memorial Day. Of course, you know, always take time to remember why we have those for those families that uh, lost someone. Uh, I know I've lost uncles and, you know, the, the reason for the season is those who have put their life on the line and gave all for our country. So certainly want to take those time to think about those folks. And But hopefully, with that said, you did have a good weekend and uh, didn't overdo it too much like I did. Don, how about you, my friend? What's going on? How you doing? Yeah, you're telling me you got sunburned and sore from everything that you did over the weekend. Oh, pulling yeah. Pulling down trees and gardening and things like that. <laughs> it was a long, lovely long weekend and I spent it all on the sun and paying for it now. But how are you? Good. Hey, a second. Uh, I second that shout out of appreciation to all those who serve our country, and of course their families, and you know those who are even serving now that are separated from their families. We think about what we do and the weekend, and uh, sometimes we um, we don't give enough time to that. So uh, you know, first off, and, uh, I second that shout out that you gave, and and it was indeed boy here. I'm sure where you are, a blazing hot Monday. Oh, mm-hmm. it was just like you know ninety. It was 90 degrees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of sunburn, but uh, we spent the morning at the annual uh, Memorial Day Parade, and they claim it's the oldest in the state where I live in Freehold, New Jersey. Lots of Boy Scouts, firemen, and police and military marching, tons of fire trucks and old cars. I mean, you'd like that, right? I mean, oh, yeah. The old cars. I remember, it's funny, uh, my grandfather telling me that he would watch that actually watched the Civil War veterans marching at the Memorial Day Parade in Brooklyn when he was a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a while. That's a ways back. For the, but of course, you said it was your grandfather. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting how many people get Memorial Day and Veterans Day confused, right? Yep. Memorial Day is to honor those that have fallen in, in the line of duty and in battle, uh, whereas Veterans Day is for everyone serving. And so, yeah, it tends to it tends to bleed over, I think. And it's fine. Just, just as long as we're acknowledging the sacrifice that these folks make, I think, is uh, the importance of the whole deal. So at this point, I think most people have kind of blurred those lines. And that's fine, again, as long as we're kind of remembering the reason for the season, so to speak. Uh, and it kind of goes to show, you know, how close the generations are and can be that fought in wars that we tend to only read about. I mean, if you think about a lot of kids today, younger kids, I mean, World War II, which I th- found infinitely fascinating all through high school and college years and stuff, uh, you know, it's 90, 100 years ago, 90 years ago, right? So there, it's, there's some detachment there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about the First World War was 100 years ago, or World War II. Over 100, was- yeah. Yeah, 100, yeah. right, 103, 104. But, you know, I think about my grandfather. He was born in 1902, mm-hmm. right? So when he was a boy, those Civil War vets were like in their 60s and 70s. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the generations are not separated by as much as you think. Of course, we think back, you know, Civil War was 150 years ago. But yeah. it, 
you know, you think about people that you know or you knew as a kid, like your grandparents or uncles that uh, saw these veterans when they were kids. Yeah. And, you know, they lived through all of the World War One, World War Two, Vietnam War, Gulf War. And, you know, they, they saw a lot for people who were born in the beginning of the 20th century. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, it's wild how you can change things. My, you know, you just mentioned your grandfather. You're a couple of years older than me, but yet my grandfather was actually born in 1890. Uh, so mm. because they just waited so long to have kids or had so many kids, right? That's the thing to do. My, my dad's like number nine of 12 and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So certainly is interesting to get those perspective on folks, too. I, I, I love talking with older folks. I think you can learn a lot from them. But uh, anyway, let's let's move on into our next bit. Again, happy belated Memorial Day to everybody. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Last week, Don, we spoke about that cycle of investor anxiety that that often puts people in um, for lack of a better term, the hamster wheel, right? Going around and around mm-hmm. in a circle. I really don't think people give a lot of thought to how they actually fall into this trap. Maybe they do, but they just kind of think it's simply the way it is. So let's review some of the phases of the cycle and, and talk about some solutions. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I agree with that point that you mentioned about the hamster wheel. Most people don't really give a whole lot of thought about this as, as phases or cycles and, and ways to deal with it the way we described it. And you know, ultimately, you know, we seek to be successful financially and make good decisions really to fulfill our goals and ambitions, right? And mm-hmm. provide for our families and share our values and fulfill our, our purpose for life. And when people can put the money worry to some extent behind them, they can f- focus more on the the meaning that they have in their life and their true purpose for life. So it's it's not more money just for the sake of money, right? People sometimes right, think right. about that, especially when they're younger. But the reality is that, that money is, is really the fuel for the plans that we have for life, much like a car needs the proper fuel for a journey or a trip. Um, the reality is that money just often causes worry. And when it comes to the cycle of poor decisions that lead to anxieties, uh, we talked about this last week. You know, here's the breakdown and review, and, and some strategies for success that we can talk about. So the first phase in the cycle of anxiety is, of course, the fear of the future. Right? We talked about that last time. Uh, thoughts that run through your head, like, "Will I have enough money?" and "Will inflation wipe out my retirement?" I mean, you're hearing about some crazy inflation numbers lately, right? Like. You know, eight percent, nine percent. I just heard in uh, in Europe the inflation in energy prices in the past uh, couple of months is something like thirty or forty percent. Oh yeah. Um, and people think, of course, you know, more commonly over the years, what if I get sick? Am I going to run out of money if that happens? And and now, we're, you know, what's going to be happening with the war and COVID and my job? And these are just normal and natural concerns. Yeah, I mean, life is life, right? It's always going to be something, it seems like, but we do feel as though we're in a time like we've never seen. And it seems like that's always, you know, every time something get, gets crazy, people are like, I don't think it's ever been this bad or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but that does lead us into phase two, right? Which is uh, that forecasting of the future we, that we were discussing. So naturally, if someone could you know, if we had a, if we were time stamped or date stamped, your job would be super easy. Um, you know, so if we knew what was going to happen in the future, we'd know what to do next, and we'd take the best path. But obviously, that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. If that was the case, we'd have a lot more uh, easing of our minds. But uh, this is why people get addicted to the financial news shows like CNBC and Bloomberg and Fox News and whatever shows that they 
they tend to watch. The, the theme of each segment is almost always the same, Mark. It's, the host asks the guest, so uh, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Where should I put my money? Uh, with inflation raging, so what do we do now? The only problem is that nobody knows the future. I mean, tell me in the past who predicted COVID or the war in Iraq or, you know, even in the past month or two, baby food shortages. I mean, you know, yeah, the just, aliens, you know, the, the, you know, all the different uh, things we're doing with the, the Navy seeing these different ships and some of right. the classification. Yeah. I didn't have that one on my bingo card. I don't know about you, but yeah, that would, that, that's a thing, right? Yeah. So I remember watching these financial shows back in, in 2008, even 2020 during COVID. And the so-called experts were saying, get out of the market now. And yeah. I remember one guy saying in 2008, it's never going to come back. I'm telling you now, it's never coming back. And, you know, of course, the, the following year, uh, things rebounded sharply. Yeah, you know, I I saw a show not long ago. I think it was made in the like around 2019, I think. But it's set in the 80s, uh, and they were talking about the Dow on one episode. And he's like, "It's at 2700, 2700. It's never gonna be any bigger than that. Can you imagine it being higher than 2700?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that was in the 80s, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, this leads us to phase three. You know, you mentioned, because you mentioned the number one question you get from people is when, when you meet them is when they find out you're an advisor, like, what do you think is going to happen, right? They're all kind of looking for that inside tip or whatever the case is. So the phase three is that track record investing. It, it seems like when I watch these financial shows as well myself or see some sort of advertisement, they often have that the guy who predicted the big crash of 08 or the housing market downturn was, you know, discussed by this guy or that gal or whatever, you know, things like that. Yeah. I mean, right. That That's continual, right? There's always someone who predicted some market crash or some, you know, a uh, hot asset like gold or Bitcoin years ago. And that's the guy. So, you know, it's naturally look for someone who did it well in the past. So that person can tell us what to do now and for the future, right? Sure. And it reminds me of uh, this legendary money manager named Bill Miller. Uh, he was popular several years ago, but he beat the stock market index for like 15 straight years. Wow. <laughs> so he was getting all kinds of money in his fund, and he got very, very popular. Then in 2008, the fund lost like 58%. And he oh, went geez. from being a superstar to a goat. Yeah, like in exactly. Less, yeah. Less than one year. It's like so. a kicker, right? You know, it's like, you know, as long as he's hitting every kick, you know, he's he's golden, but he misses just one and he's the worst. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he and he had a big, uh, a big sharp downturn. So here's what Morningstar said back then. These losses have wiped away his fund's years of market beating performance. Uh, that year, the fund was among the worst performing in his class for the last one three, five, and 10-year periods. It was according to Morningstar back right, then. Wow. So, you know, that's like this guy all of a sudden just became, you know, toxic. Like you didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. Yeah. After Even though 15 years, he was correct. But that 2008 you mentioned, that was obviously a very bad year. So mm -hmm. a lot of other factors. But that's what we do, right? I mean, we look for an expert with a track record like the person you mentioned, uh, you know, and then because, he, you know, he kind of proved he could zig and zag a little bit. And so that's often what we're still trying to find. Yeah, absolutely. And that remi always reminds me of an ex exercise that I've done many times with people. Um, so if you get a room full of people, Mark, and give them a coin to flip, like a quarter, sure. right? Mm -hmm. You start with 100 people and ask them to flip and remain standing if their coin lands on heads, right? Okay. So after the first flip, you get about 50 people that stay standing and then 
uh, second uh, flip maybe 25 or so. Then after six or seven flips is one person standing. Right. Of course, holding the coin, flipped heads six or seven times straight. I mean, there's no skill in being the only person having you know flipped heads seven times in a row. It's sort of <laughs> like being a fund manager. <laughs> like you, right. If you're corrected for five or, or 10 years in a row... Like you're a brilliant superstar, has you know people don't perceive that at all as just being uh, somewhat lucky, like the person who's flipping the coin. Yeah, I mean, we've talked before and said, hey, look, the last couple of years of, the, of this bull run we've been on, you know, even nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one, the market was on fire, and you could basically throw a dart uh, and it'd been fine. And it reminded me of that story that uh, of the blindfolded monkey that threw darts at pages of stocks in the Wall Street Journal, and they actually did better than some investment managers. Yeah, that's true. I've heard of these stories as well. Here's one for you, Mark. Last week, someone in our our church told me that when she finished college about 10 years ago, so she's in her early 30s now, she started working in New York City. There was a homeless guy she would see every day at the train station that would continually come up to her and tell her, buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. (laughs) You must buy Bitcoin. This was... Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, 2012 or so, 2011. It sold for about a dollar. And she she kind of like laughingly called him the Bitcoin guy. Oh, no. Uh, and of course, she ignored him. She uh-huh. never heard of Bitcoin. And, right. you know, why would she follow this guy's advice anyway? Well, I mean, if it's like the pizza story we shared, you know, with yeah. the buying the pizzas for 300 million dollars worth of bitcoin at the time or well now then it was like ten thousand but yeah crazy stuff so again that's so that's a good segue into the next two phases then so talk to me about them yeah it's something we all face today right it's a next phase information overload Mm -hmm. right so we have cell phones and flat screen tvs everywhere and internet and newsletters and just too much information but we or disinformation right right information or disinformation but there's just a lot of stuff coming at us Mm -hmm. from every different direction we have to do something we can't just sit there so we need to take some kind of action uh, which leads to the next phase which is emotion-based decision, right? Just doing what feels right. We got to do something. And this is mostly because there's no real process. We make decisions based on, you know, human emotions like greed, yep. fear. Well, the brain trust. gives us what we need when we do something that feels good, right? And so that's therefore right. we, it feels good and you do it again. Yeah. Yep. You move toward uh, something that's pleasurable and away from something that's painful. Right. Right. So, you know, greed might be, uh, you know, I want Bitcoin now so I can make a killing. <laughs> right. You heard that last year, not so much this year. Uh, fear. I want to sell my stocks and put it all to cash. You hear some of that now. Yep. Uh, a trust. Uh, if this guy has a great five-year track record or 10 years, that's the way I want to go. So, I mean, some people just don't even trust anyone. They just put all their money in this these computer-based robotic portfolios. So, I guess they trust robots. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that one either because it seems like, you know, okay, there's, I mean, what you, I guess just because we figure it's a computer maybe, it, maybe it's somehow it's smarter or whatever, and there's no emotion, I suppose. But so that, so walk me into the last phase then, Don. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, breaking the rules here, right? So we've talked, we've used weight loss rules before, you know, eat less, move more, right? Basic stuff since we're human. Uh, but we do tend to break rules. So the golden rule, as we all know it to be, is buy low, sell high, and diversify. But buying something that is popular, popular or hot that drops off a cliff in value just kind of leads us to that to your that point of dis, you know disappointment and confusion. So that's when we panic and we wind up doing the opposite of buy low, sell high. Right, which takes us through the entire cycle. Now we're back. We're right to back the to start. where we were. Yeah. Right. So you know we we're afraid of the future and we want a prediction of the of the uh, of the future and we go through the whole 
the whole uh, cycle again because we have performance losses, we lose money, and there's the fear of the future again. I told the story before about people I've met in the past that that say, I've got the same amount of money I had 20 years ago. I don't know what What am I doing wrong? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? I was 45 years old and I have the same amount of money now. And of course they kind of, you know, in the heart of hearts, you know, know something's broken. Yeah. Well, so how do we, how do we break free then of this cycle, Don? Like how do we need, you know, how do we transform? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I think it's, it really is a, a mental transformation, Mark. So let's talk about some three simple strategies for success. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we seek to be successful financially uh, for a bigger picture reasons, right? To fulfill our goals and ambitions, provide for our family, share our values, things like that, fulfill our purpose for life. It's not just you know more and more money for the sake of more and more money. So First, we have to do is uh, step one: eliminate speculation. Okay. You know, you spoke about the rules for weight loss. You know, eat less, move more. But not only do you need to eat less, you got to eliminate the bad food, right? The bad stuff like the cakes and cookies, no, and ice cream. No, it's so tough good. to do, yeah. especially this past weekend, Mark. Right. I have to admit that I had the key lime pie, a couple of slices. It was mm, <laughs> mm-hmm, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yep. But we need to eat more of the right kind of food. And kind of really get to the root of the problem. You know, what's causing a person continually, not just on a holiday, but continually to make bad decisions. Right. Typically, it's, it's emotional and there's no specific, you know, meal plan or exercise plan. But from a financial standpoint, investors really must focus on a couple of key things like eliminate speculating with money, stock picking, timing the market chasing performance. We talk about this all the time. The stock market reacts to news. The news is unpredictable, so the stock markets are unpredictable too, right? So diversifying meaning means own a little bit of a lot of stuff. So if you're an investor, you have to buy something. So the best approach is to own multiple asset classes. That's what they call it. So right, right now, the US stock market index is like the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ is down somewhere between 13 and 22 percent. But many don't realize that international markets like uh, Brazil, Chile, Singapore, parts of Europe like Spain, they're up, you know, some as much as 10 or 15 percent. There you go, right? So that's the point of that diversification. And we don't hear enough about that stuff, right? That about the other markets that are doing well. So, you know, just kind of sticking well, you mentioned some news sources earlier, you know, change it up. Go get your information from just the same old place and maybe, you know, so you can hear about some more of these things. Yeah, I mean, that's the benefit of diversifying, right? Yeah. We don't have to be uh moving and zigging and zagging, moving Quite as in much, and out. Yeah. Right. So we have the asset classes. We own it. It's like being on the monopoly board, right? We talked about this in the past, owning like a little bit of all the properties, right? We're not just focused on boardwalk and park place. Yeah. If you if you get the railroads, you've got a good chance of winning. I'm just saying. So my wife yeah, beats me every time with those railroads. But anyway. You get the railroads and the utilities and the properties are on the board. So it's much like that with diversifying. You never know how the news is going to affect your investments. What we want to do is really maximize the returns for any given level of risk. Mm-hmm. So back in, the, you know, if we were in, when we were in college, we learned about things like standard deviation and uh, statistics. That's just a fancy term for ups and downs uh, of, or deviating from any average. Okay. So right. when we mention that we're interested in, really in the past, in the range of returns, really as much as the rate of return and minimizing the standard deviation. So minimizing the ups and downs. And think about it this way. It's like with weather, the average temperature in New York 
average for the whole year, it's about 55 degrees, right? In San Diego, it's about 72 degrees. But the range of differences is much, much higher in New York than San Diego, right? So it could be 100 degrees in the summer in New York or zero in the winter in New York. In San Diego, typically it's between like 50 and 80 degrees. So that's kind of like, you know, putting your eggs in one basket, like with tech stocks or big stocks, and they could be up as much as 50% or down as much as 50%. So a lot of range in the ups and downs, kind of like the weather is in in New York City compared to San Diego. So comparing it to a portfolio in, in our investments, we'd rather have a portfolio like San Diego than New York City, less ups and downs. I like that. That's a good way of looking at that. So you can eliminate those ups and downs. Uh, you can't, excuse me, you can't eliminate it, but you can minimize it, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. That's right. So the key is having assets that what they call, they don't correlate, which means they don't tend to go up and down. They don't do the same thing at the same time? Right, yeah. exactly. So it's an approach that actually won the Nobel Prize in economics years ago. It's called modern portfolio theory. Nice. So strategy number one, don't speculate, right? I almost feel like Warren Buffett here. <laughs> rule yeah. number one, rule number two. Uh, what's strategy number two, Don? Well, it's related to number one. Uh, number two is let other people be emotional. Uh, we'll just stick with a plan and stay the course. If others are emotional and run up the prices, well, we'll just rebalance and sell high, buy what's low. Mm -hmm. uh, and if others get panicked and sell low, we'll buy low and simply rebalance as a discipline. So you spoke about Warren Buffett, and Warren Buffett does this. During the financial crisis in 2008, he bought Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, some other distressed properties, railroad in the past, and he made over $10 billion doing oh, is that. Is that all? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> ten billion. Yeah, but yep. but to his point, he's definitely talked a lot about not, uh, you know, the emotions and things of that nature, right? So, and he's talked a lot about not having a plan, right? What's that saying? He has, uh, uh, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked, right? Mm -hmm. Because they they didn't have a plan, right? So they went and got into this great tidy water, this high water, uh, and then it all went out. AKA the market went down, and they didn't have a plan. They're out there naked. So, uh, number three is then I guess higher that holistic planner, right? Not You're not looking for a picker, a stock picker. Um, and that's why people, Don, work with someone like yourself, right? That's why you get into working with an advisor and a professional who can help you. I mean, you're a CPA and a CFP. So not only are you looking at this from the you know, portfolio side and investing side, you're looking at from this from a tax angle as well. So as always, folks, if you need some help, make sure you're reaching out to Don, have a conversation with him. Uh, you can do so complimentary. You can call him, you can stop by his website, whatever you'd like to do, but take a little action for yourself. Stop by donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com to get some more information and, you know, schedule some time with him and so on and so forth. And I know that, I know that it's kind of like weird that I talk about you that way, Don, but it is what it is, right? No, I, I get it. I mean, I realize that the advice is self-serving, but you know, I've seen this a million times. You talked about the holistic planning. Many people have a stockbroker that sells them stocks and bonds, or right. an attorney that set up a, a will years ago, or powers of attorney, and a, maybe a CPA that files their taxes, but they don't have anyone to coordinate all their needs and really help them develop a plan that aligns with their dreams and ambitions. Well, you're a baseball guy. They don't have a skipper, right? Yeah. Your Mets are doing well right now, right? Mm-hmm. And so, right. you know, you got to have, you got to have, there's what, there's a first base coach, right? 
there's a third base coach, right? There's all that kind of, there's a hitting coach, a pitching coach, but then there's like the guy, the skipper kind of thing. So that's kind of what you're talking about. I think someone that can kind of help facilitate and coordinate all that stuff. And we talk about discovering, you know, our true purpose for money and life and having that focus uh, for planning and relationships, not just the money. It's got to be the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, getting to the purpose of life and the purpose for the money and what's the, the big picture. You know, most of us aren't going to have some like grand uh, world purpose like Winston Churchill or Mother Teresa, right, right with the right. impact made on the world. But we can make big differences with our example, the way we live our life, right? sharing our values, spending time with people we love, and really small acts of kindness. And, uh, and this is great. I read this today, a story about a man who would drive to work each day, drive through a coffee shop to purchase his morning coffee. And each day he would pay for the person behind him, mm-hmm. tell the cashier to wish him a good day, you know, just some friendly gesture. Uh, the action really lines up with his faith that teaches him to give without seeking any, you know, commendation or recognition. Uh, and one day he learned that uh, a letter was written to the local newspaper describing that the letter writer was the recipient of the kind gesture. And, and it touched him so much that the person actually decided that day not to take his own life. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's amazing, Don. That's that's certainly a heavy weight, and uh, but also kind of a wonderful thing too, right? I mean, sad that that person felt that they were in that position, but fantastic that this guy's simple little act of kindness made that big of an impact. And and to your point, when you kicked off the show, you know, money obviously is important. We want to make sure we have enough to take care of ourselves, but it's not the only thing. And I, I think that's a great thing about that holistic view you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes back to the, um, you know, getting the money. To some extent, as much as we can, kind of off the table as a focus of our anxiety and worries, mm-hmm. we could you know get ourselves outside of our worries and into our purpose and into living the life that the way we should and the way that is going to be meaningful for those around us. Um, it's really what it's all about when it comes to doing good, solid planning and having that relationship with people. Yeah, I agree. You know, sometimes the best thing we can, you know, we can do is get out of our own way or get out of our own head, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, because we certainly, you know, can do that on the regular. So again, Don, some good tips in here in this episode about how to kind of deal with that anxiety. We kind of a nice recap as well as some things to really think about. I really like that looking at that, like the temperature and the oh, the way. Uh, the weather is in New York versus San Diego and how, you know, what kind of portfolio. That's a great way of looking at that. So if, again, if you need help, folks, as we wrap this up, just reach out to Don. Make sure you have that conversation here on Your Money and Your Life. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, whatever platform you like to use. Uh, you can find all that information at the podcasting website if you'd like to go check that out. And, of course, you can also link back to Don's main website. But a lot of good tools, tips, and resources there at doncashpodcast.com. That's Don Cash Podcast. Thanks for hanging out, my friend. I appreciate you as always. Thanks, Mark. Be well. We'll see you next time right here on Your Money and Your Life with the one and only Don Cash. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.